Yeah, Montel. Uh, oh, that was the that was the golden age. So, yeah. Is Jerry Springer still on TV? All right, whatever. Let's start this podcast Uh, because we're going to... All right, fine. All right, guys. Welcome in to the Cutting the Net podcast. Uh, I am your host, Blake Level. With me, as always, is my co-host, Joe Nardone. And uh, we're back here once again. So for those of you who were hoping that we would get canceled, uh, that is not how it works in the podcast Well, fuck world. you guys. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just not how it works, as we know, in the podcast world these days. Um, that's, well, I guess, it's a good thing and a bad thing for some shows. But yes, we're back. Uh, episode number three here on the podcast as we are getting ready for the start of the 2019-20 season in college basketball, which is going to take place on Tuesday. And uh, there's a lot of great games. But before we dive into some of that, um, my friend, I'm curious. We all have our sort of, uh, I guess, routines, our yearly traditions. What do you do to get uh, yourself ready for opening night in college basketball? Well, I'll read a bunch of stuff from other college basketball writers, see what they have to say about things. Uh, you know, I'll look at Ken Palm for, you know, information, all that stuff. But really, really, all that really happens is tomorrow, we're recording on Monday, obviously, first game, slated games is tomorrow on Tuesday. So if you listen to this on Tuesday, it starts at noon with Central Arkansas and Baylor. Uh, I generally run to the store. Um, I usually get soda, but I don't drink soda anymore because I got fat. So my new tradition, I guess, is going to buy a lot of bottled water and uh, maybe I'll weigh myself. I don't know because this is the first year I'm, you know, trying to be healthy. Usually I just get a bunch of junk food and caffeine. Yeah. What do you well, do? Well, that's okay. I, I honestly, I think I just, um, I prepare my eyes knowing that I'm going to be staring at a screen for hours and hours and hours. Um and uh, besides that, yeah, I think I just probably uh, eat something that's, uh, you know, food and drink something that's uh, a drink. And uh, that's my excitement for getting ready for the season. Um, and then just play around on Twitter, see all the overreactions to people whose teams lose their opening game and they're ready to fire the coach after a half. And um, But that's that's the, you know, that's the world we live in. And that's I avoid Twitter at all costs. <laughs> I know not because I dislike the takes or anything like that, but um, this should have been part of my tradition. Is I have a horrible ability at retaining stuff, so like I sit with like a notepad to jot down stuff that I find interesting as games are happening, and I can't yeah. tweet and watch game. Like I know, like I'm sounding super old, but I have like I don't understand the people that can fire off like 50 tweets in a game and know what's actually happening in the game. Yeah, I I try to tweet during games, but usually what I do now, I tried that for a long time. Like, I may tweet, like, at halftime of a game I'm watching and after the game, but I, I just can't, like, keep up and go along the entire way. Like, I'm more of, okay, let's digest a half, what happened, let's, uh, let's look at the whole game, what happened, my reaction to those two scenarios, I guess, mm-hmm. in particular, rather than just saying, oh, that last play was this, because, of course, by the time you tweet it, you're already three plays ahead, uh, and everybody else is seeing this next part of the game, and it's yeah, it's really hard to do, and that's what I said, especially the overreactions, and I know I will tweet this out. Um, everyone just, it's, we have to remember, like, in college football, it's probably okay sometimes to overreact to one game because there's less games, but in college basketball in a 35-game season, 
Um, the opening night of the slate is it's probably not the time to overreact. Unless your team's already like projected to be a bubble team, like you can't lose to maybe. you can't you can't lose to like sanitary. Do you know what I mean? But like, if you're like Duke, it's okay to drop one early or it can't. Like you yeah. know what I mean? Like it depends where your team is. You made a good like the good comparison. Like college football, every game does matter, especially if your if your goal is to make the college football playoff. Seventy five thousand yeah. college basketball teams make the tournament. So you can lose a few. It's all right. Like it's like you know there is still a, a resemblance of urgency because there's only thirty some odd games, uh, depending on what tournaments you're in and all that stuff. But like if you're already like a good team, you you you're fine. Florida's okay. Like even dropping one to North Florida on Tuesday, you know what I mean? Like it's not gonna like murder their chances at being like the five seed or whatever their their goal is. Yeah, and I guess, like, mid-major schools, like, they can, I guess, overreact because they don't get these big games. You know, for, for some of them, they don't get all the buy games or, or whether it's just a, you know, a solid game. For example, like a, a Penn's going to play at Alabama. Um, you know, you look up and down the line, you mentioned North Florida against Florida. Uh, there's a lot of other games like that. And teams like that who get those opportunities right off the bat to start a season – if you go out and win one of those games, you're you're set. But let's say you come out and just play really poorly. I guess you could see fans, in a sense, being upset uh, you know, because they it was their, maybe their big opportunity to prove themselves. But first game of the season, man, there, there's so many rotations still being worked out. And I always say that. It's just it's hard to know what we're going to get from a lot of teams uh, until we get several weeks into the season. Uh, but let's go ahead and look ahead to Tuesday night's games because it is a loaded uh, slate with a, a ton of games all across the board. And I guess if you start at the top, there, there's no doubt as to what the, the two biggest games are, and that's Michigan State and Kentucky and Kansas and Duke. Um, we've, we've talked about these teams, and, uh, you know, again, these, these are four teams that we expect to have a chance to play for a national championship this year. Uh, there's no other way to put it. Uh, I don't, again, it, it really goes back to what we just said. I don't care who wins both of these games. I, I don't necessarily think it's going to have a huge impact on my thoughts on the other team. Uh, although, if we go back to last year, remember Duke and what they did to Kentucky. I think there are a lot of people that did have some some thoughts on the Wildcats uh, after that game. Oh, yeah. I remember watching I was blown away by Duke last year. It was yeah. fun. It was amazing. And then <laughs> um, it was both sides. Like, you know, all of a sudden it was like, is Duke going to go and defeat it? And then it was there's something horribly wrong with Kentucky and Coach K's <laughs> better with one and dones than John Calipari and blah, blah, first game of the season. Yes, it was jarring. Yeah. Yes, Duke looked like an NBA team and Kentucky looked like, you know, a team that was in its first game of the season. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, what you were talking ideal. about, yeah, and, but like you're like, like the, again, like you talked about the Kansas Duke game, Duke gate, like Duke. Yeah. They have some returning guys. Like I wrote about them today. They're probably going to be more defensive orientated than last year. The offense is going to be a pretty big question mark because they still have Trey Jones who can't shoot, um, who you know a lot of people think is one of the ten best players in the country based off his defense and his playmaking abilities. But like they also have like Vernon Carey who's like a 6'10", 275 pound, two hundred seventy five pound, um, unfinished product. You know what I mean? Like so like they're like. Oh, I know like they're the fourth ranked team in the country, but they're also like a work in progress team. Like this isn't the explosive yeah. over the top raw talent that they had last year. It's hey, we have some veterans, we have some five stars and four star freshmen. 
um, not all of whom are going to play. It's they're they're almost like it's funny they open up with Kansas at Madison Square Garden, which you know like a lot of people consider Duke's second home. They're a work in progress. So like yeah. I ex, like it's one of those weird deals. Like when I watch Duke on Tuesday night play Kansas, I'm not watching them to see if they win or lose. I'm watching to see the rotations. I'm watching to see how Vernon Carey protects the rim. I'm watching to see if Trey Jones could shoot at all. The spacing. If Coach K decides to micro, like he didn't micro, he didn't. He let R.J. Bear initiate the offense last year completely to the point where there was no semblance of an offense. Is he going to run offensive sets? Is he going to do it to the point where, you know, <clears throat> I used to have this joke more so when the shot clock was at 45 seconds. Uh, now that it's down a bit, it's not as bad. But, like, a lot of teams would run offenses, and but they wouldn't start it earnestly until those 10 seconds left on the shot shot clock. Oh, like, is something like that going to happen? So those are the things I'm looking forward to tomorrow, less so than, like, the final outcome of a game. Yeah, and I always say that with Kentucky is everyone's just so quick to, to jump on Kentucky and say, well, this you know this could be Cal's best team and all that. I mean, it could be, but we, we probably aren't going to know that until like mid-January or early February because uh, they still are so freshman dominated in terms of the guys that are going to play the big roles. Now, this Kentucky team is a little bit different because they do have, you know, Ashton Hagens and Emmanuel Quickly and EJ Montgomery and Nick Richards and all those guys are back. So they have older guys who had sophomores, I guess. Um, but it's just, yeah, how these freshmen fit in, it takes some time, man. I, yeah, the, the Duke thing last year with Zion and Barrett and Reddish, I mean, we knew that was a, a unique sort of deal. Um, and you're just not going to get that every single season. So, no, I don't think Duke's going to come out and beat Kansas uh, whatever, 118 to 70-something <laughs> or 80-something like it was last year with Kentucky. Uh, I don't think you're going to see Kentucky do that to Michigan State. Uh, both those will be very good games. Uh, we know that, and everyone's going to be talking about those two. Beyond that, um, you know, I guess when you look at the schedule, what are some games that, that maybe, I don't know, stand out for you or ones that maybe catch your interest the most because uh, we were talking about this before we started recording – it's interesting because the ACC, of course, is uh, playing conference games to start off the season, so you could probably take your pick uh, on some of those, which there will be some that happen on Tuesday night, some are on Wednesday night, um, but that's kind of a, an interesting dynamic, which I don't know how coaches feel about that. My guess would be that they are more towards not too happy about it than being happy about it. Um, and I don't, it's just, I don't, that's a weird dynamic, I guess. Cause it, again, we're used to that in football because there's so many, there's, there's less games, but in basketball on such a, a bigger type of schedule, uh, it takes away those traditional power conference versus mid-major type of games because you're adding in a 20-game schedule in the ACC. And, I mean, let's be honest, we're going to see more more of these big conferences probably try to, to do that as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't love it. I prefer the build-up to the conference, you know, when the teams play each other yeah. in the conference. But, I mean, games, up. oddly enough, one of the games I'm looking forward to is an ACC game. It is Louisville-Miami, uh, mostly yeah. because, I, I mean – We've, I think, I believe we talked about this on this podcast. I know I've talked about it elsewhere. Uh, because I'm also interested in watching Memphis play. Is like Louisville, Memphis. They both have arguably the best group of freshmen in the country. Um, I want to see how they do. Uh, you know how Chris Mack integrates them. It's a pretty like. Listen, I know Louisville's like a top ranked team and Miami's not, but you know when you have all these newcomers coming in all at once and they all expect to play major roles and be high usage rates and 
this I don't mean to circle everything back to Kentucky and all that stuff, but like what John Calipari is really good at is getting all the McDonald's All Americans to buy into a team concept where not everybody's a high usage rate guy. It'll be interesting interesting to see how Chris Mack does that with Louisville, with all these freshmen who aspire to be pros. Penny Hardaway with Memphis. He has two or three guys that are probably one and done players. Those are the things that interest me because the top part, like the teams that, you know, we're one podcast removed from saying preseason polls don't matter, and they don't. But like, you know, Louisville's ranked five. Memphis is one of the best, considered one of the better teams in the country. If this doesn't work from a coaching standpoint of integrating all this young talent, then all of a sudden it changes everything. Because if, you know, Louisville can never figure this out, then the ACC becomes slightly more wide open for other teams. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. not that I'm going to take that all away from one game, but I do, like, it's it's I'm going to be redundant on this podcast talking about how short are the, the rotations for these coaches? What kind of systems are they running? Um, like, an odd comparison, but, like, Sienna's returning in NBA-level player in Jalen Pickett, we talked about two podcasts ago, they, they're expected to go from a plotting pace to a faster pace. Now Louisville's bringing all these young guys. Memphis bringing all these young guys. Are they also going to pick up the tempo? Because that's what Duke did last, or tried to do in points last year, is let the talent win as opposed to the coaching. And I'm always interested to see that dynamic when the coach is, you know, otherwise considered to be a very good X's and O's guy. Yeah, it's funny because you mentioned Pickett. Um, Darius Quisenberry, the other guy we talked about a couple podcasts ago, uh, Louisville's going to get them uh, this weekend, actually, on Sunday. They'll play Youngstown State. So uh, we're just all focused on Louisville because they're going to play the guys who we've been talking about. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I will actually talk about Louisville probably in a bit when we get to some of our picks for the season because I've been very high on them. Um, and just I don't know if it's, it's a combination of certainly the talent they have and with Chris Mack, I mean, he's someone that's just constantly, we've seen what he's done over the years. I mean, he's just a tremendous coach. Um, but navigating that, that ACC schedule with a younger team is not going to be easy to do. Um, and certainly, I mean, really, I think we can take away some things from, from an opening game like this because you're playing at Miami, uh, a team that's, you know, not projected to be a top 25 level team or anything like that. But it's still not an easy game to open up the season on the road at a conference opponent. Uh, it's a, such a unique dynamic, so that'll be fun. And there's so many other ACC games you can go up down the line. Look at um, Utah, Nevada is probably one that's going to be interesting for mm-hmm. some people. Um, Steve Alford, as we know, is there now uh, in Reno, and uh, that's one that that should be a, a pretty good game, a late night game there uh, on Tuesday. Uh, we mentioned Alabama and Penn. We've talked about Alabama a bit. I mean, Penn's a team that certainly has, you know. Ivy League aspirations. Harvard's probably the best team in that conference. Uh, pretty feel pretty good about that. Ivy know, League sneaky good conference for those unaware. Like actually pretty. Yeah, good at the it top. is. I I think that those yeah that several teams there that uh, are pretty good and and I've mentioned. I mean I think Harvard's a I think Harvard's a, a top twenty five team type of team to start the season. Like I think they're that good. Um, so and of course you know they won't get the recognition until later in the season probably. But um, they you mean if they don't beat be if, they, if they don't beat MIT by fifty, you don't think they'll get the proper? Well, I, I don't know. We, we may just do a special episode <laughs> on that one if they do. Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess beyond that, you know, it's it's the usual, and we were talking about this too. It's the usual mix of like power conference type of teams taking on mid major teams uh, that want to try to go out and get a big one. For example, Cal. Cal's hosting Pepperdine. Um, you know, Cal's a rebuilding team in the Pac-12. Mark Fox is there now. 
Then you've got Pepperdine with Lorenzo Romar, who's trying to take another step forward with that program. Like Those are the kind of games that we're used to seeing and loving on opening night, like Wisconsin. Wisconsin plays St. Mary's. Uh, St. Mary's, as we know, is kind of at another level. They're not your traditional mid-major, but those are the types of games that you really love to see on opening night because it does give you a different dynamic because you have these two programs that, I guess, from a resource standpoint, are completely different. And, and that's why we love college basketball. That's why we love the NCAA tournament. Uh, so for me, yes, I'm going to love the, the Michigan State, Kentucky, Kansas Duke, but I'm also going to love watching you know these mid-majors, like we said earlier, get their shots on the road uh, against some of these, these bigger type of teams. No, no, I'm totally with you, which brings us to a great point where I'm going to start asking you questions about if this team is real or not. Because <laughs> I knew this was coming. Yeah, so, you know, for the listeners out there who are unaware, there's a lot of teams that are going to be played that are not Division One programs, um, or they are, and you they're just, you know, you never heard of them. So I'm going to ask Blake a question, if this team is a – if they're a basketball school or not. Are you ready, Blake? Uh, this is really going to test my knowledge. If I get all of these right – I, like, we should, I don't know, I should get, like, a ribbon, like, they used to get at field day, like, uh, in elementary school, like, just give me some type of, some award, because this is going to be tough. (laughs) I'll keep track of the right and the wrong ones, I'll ask you 12 in total, are you ready? All right, I'm ready. All right, Washington Adventist. Um, not real. They are real. Oh, God, (laughs) oh, for one. All right. Here we go. Uh, who, are, who are they playing? Who are they playing? Okay, Washington. They are playing. Hold on. Howard. Okay. All right. I probably won't watch that one. Uh, hmm. Defiance. That, that's, there's no way that's real. That is real. Over for 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is bad. Um... West Pennsylvania coal miners. Not real. That is correct. They are not real. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, Mars Hill. One for three. Mars Hill is real. Come on, everyone knows Mars Hill. Let's let's not go there, please. Olivia Nazar Nazarene. I'm gonna say that's real. Yeah, because I stumbled over it. If I made it up, I know how to. I would know how to say it. That's exactly how I knew it was real. Any other reason I could not have given you, but the fact that you stumbled over reading the name, I was like, that has to be real. Uh, Judson College. Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, not real. That is real. Oh man. <laughs> We're going to have people from all these colleges just coming at us. I like It's just going to be all over me for not knowing that these colleges are real. All right, I'll give you an easy one. The University of Broken Dreams. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's not real. That is correct. That's the school of hard knocks is sort of similar, <laughs> I guess. Um, South, Southwestern Alabama State. Southwestern Alabama State. Oh boy, I'll say that's real. That's a fake one. Man, we have we have we have, we have two more to go. You are. I should have known. My knowledge of Alabama sports is pretty good, so I. I, I don't know if you could that. be something like two different directions and then the state. 
<laughs> you know, I don't think yeah, you can be like true. southwestern anything than state. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Pennsylvania A&M. That's fake. Come on. That is fake. At least as far as I know of. And maybe it's real and I just made up the <laughs> yeah. thing. All right. You're We're ready just for... going by games for, for college basketball games here. I'm sorry if some of these schools are real. If there's actually a broken school of broken dreams or whatever. <laughs> um, maybe they just don't have a basketball team. Uh, last one. Portland Bible. Mm, that's real. That is real. You broke even. Nice. You got half right, half wrong. Look at that. That was pretty good. I, I expected to do a lot worse on that. So. Well, what's funny is, uh, had I not stumbled over one of the one of the <laughs> real ones, I think we would have went in the opposite direction. Also, I didn't make good... Way, Port- I put nicknames for all the fake teams I made up, which made it really hard because I was only giving the <laughs> non-nicknames true. of the real ones. So if you caught on, it was the Club State Pool Cleaners, the University of Broken Dreams, West Pennsylvania <laughs> Coal Miners, Southwest Alabama State... I didn't say it, but they're the corn corn makers is the name I made up. Hmm. By the way, uh, for those keeping track at home, Defiance is playing Ball State on Tuesday night. Um, so if you want to catch that one. Also uh, a canceled television show on the Sci-Fi channel. Uh, see, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I've heard that before. And I was like, is that a movie, a TV show? Um, that's why I was like, that can't be real. But <laughs> yes, it is. So if they go out and beat Ball State, we're going to have a total like defiance episode on this podcast. We're going to call the head coach. We're going to do the whole thing. So how about that? We'll make that deal. Well, uh, listen, Portland Bible you know. or defiance could be the next incarnate word for all we know. Like incarnate word now gets covered a lot. Um, at one point, nobody cared about incarnate word. Now people do. Maybe Portland. I say if any of these teams you asked about win their game on Tuesday night, I think we should have the coach on on the next episode. I agree. If any of us can remember the names of the teams you just said. (laughs) Oh, I'll remember. I'm just going to pull up this list, and I'm going to go down through the the bottom. I'm I'm pulling up Ken Palm here. All the the ones that um, where you have the teams that are like shaded in black because they don't have a profile on Ken Palm. Those are the ones I'm going to check on to see. I would like to know how did it turn out because if any of those teams won, we're gonna we're just gonna make this. Uh, we're gonna have fun. Well, what if, what happens if Johnson and Wales, North Carolina, beats UNC Wilmington, and then their head coach says no? I don't want the free publicity. Wow! If we, I don't know. Listen, uh, we we would like to think that we're not going to have any coaches deny us uh, on this podcast. But how many Johnson um, and Wales do you think there are in the country? Because I know there's one in New Jersey. I honestly, I would probably need to do some research on that. Um, I'm going to say it I, doesn't. I haven't, checked, I haven't checked on that in a couple weeks, so um, <laughs> we'll go back to that. Uh, once we, once the, the schedule slows down, I'll go back to that. Um, all right, so there you go. There's an assortment of, of games we're excited for, an assortment of teams you may not know we're playing on Tuesday night. Um, I'm sure you'll enjoy all of that, all the stuff in the middle in between and uh what else we're gonna do here though is something that everyone does before the season starts everyone makes their predictions uh they tell you who they think is gonna win the national championship who they think is gonna get to the final four and all of that everyone makes bold predictions um all right let's start with this how about we just do some random predictions here we'll kind of build up to our to our picks i guess for the national championship and the final four uh, who is just off? You're off the top of your head. Just somebody you've looked at this preseason uh, that you're thinking of. 
Who's a random team that you think we're not giving enough credit to? A team that I guess you could identify as a sleeper type of team uh, that you have your eye on going into the season. Well, to stay on very on brand, it's Vermont. Um, <laughs> of course, shocker. Uh, well, what do you want me to say? The, listen, the ABC <laughs> is a good league. It's a very, very good league. Stony Brook, by the way, scheduled a monster non-conference this year. Um, it's a very good league. Anthony Lamb is one of like the twenty-five or thirty so best players in the country. Uh, hold on, before you hold on, before you continue, once once we do get the situation where these athletes can get paid like sponsorships and stuff, are we going to be sponsored by? Are we going to be the one that sponsor Anthony Lamb? I assume we are. Well, listen, if by the time this all happens, so I've graduated, I believe he's finally a junior. <laughs> I know it feels like he's been there since nineteen seventy five. It's um, fine. We're we're just it's okay. He can still. It's okay. Look, people but no, but listen. I think from John Becker's a good coach. They have a good system. They're returning yes. enough guys. They have the one dude that could carry a program. You know when they make because they're going to make the NCAA tournament. I feel like you know the last two or three seasons we haven't paid enough attention to them just because they're not in a major pro. They're not in like a major conference. But if if we're needing, if we must pick from like a major conference, that's a big deal. Um, somebody asked me this question today, and initially I said middle of the pack, but now like the more I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll bump them up a little bit. Georgetown has a chance to be pretty good if their guards can shoot consistently. Yeah, they're going to be better, I think. Um, it's a, a long way from where they were when Pat Ewing took over. You know, he was. I think they they've done a pretty good job there. I can remember back when we were all kind of looking at their non-conference schedule that first year, whenever it was. And it was yeah, that was just to make it. It was just to make them look good because they knew they were going to yeah. lose a lot in the Big East. They're like, let's <laughs> yeah. get Patrick Ewing some wins here before we win See, two games in the Big East Conference or whatever yeah. it was. It's not always a bad thing to uh, to bulk up your schedule like that to where you just get a lot of wins. Mississippi State did that a couple of years ago, and it, it paid off for them. They got to the tournament last year. Um, all right, I'll give you a team for me, I guess. Um, I don't know if this team... I'm going to go out west. UC Santa Barbara. We're going to the Big West. You went to, to the American... I'm going to go to the, the Big West because that's a, that's a conference I did for Blue Ribbon. And UC Irvine, we all know kind of what they did last year. They, they got the upset on Kansas State in the first round, played Oregon in the second round. Really good team. But they lost some key guys off of there. They have some good guys coming back. But UC Santa Barbara might be in a position to finally sort of overtake the Anteaters at the top of the Big West. Joe Pasternak, who was at Arizona, um, he is like, just, I mean, the way he's turned that program around, UC Santa Barbara was one of the worst programs in the country a couple years ago. And now I picked them to win that conference. I think they are really good. Their guards are loaded. Uh, They've got a great backcourt. Um, they've got a nice sort of front court. Amadou Sal is a sophomore. He's a really good forward. If you get to watch the team play this year, I'm telling you, they're pretty good. And uh, that's one that if you want to go ahead and start penciling in your ideas months ahead of time, that you're just going to say, all right, I'm picking this team to win a game in the NCAA tournament. Just go ahead and pick UC Santa Barbara to win a game. Uh, now I've just got to hope that they get there. I think that's fair. I'm going to take your knowledge on that because I do not have a strong opinion on it. Um, Are you telling me you have not, not done your preseason research on UC Santa Barbara? I have not. But you know what I was thinking about as you're. T- I, listen, if I could lie and be like a lot of other people and be like, no, look, this goes back to our discussion we had at the beginning. Like, we, I, it's hard to believe. I know people think this, but 
it is not physically possible to go through and watch every, <laughs> every single team. team and research every city. It's not possible. Like, I'm sorry. It's not. There's like, if we were giving out a spoiler, I'm just telling you. Like, I don't know every single thing about every single team around the country. I just don't. I don't have the time to know that. Well, I was thinking, it was weird. You were talking and you were talking about over, like, could, could they overtake this and that? Like, I'll, you know, and then they made, for whatever reason, the Missouri Valley popped in my head. And I'm like, I have no idea who's going to be actually the best team in the Missouri Valley this year. Um, because I feel be yeah. Bradley, Missouri State, you and I, like, I don't know which, like, maybe one of those three teams. Um, but, like, it made me think about, like, how low majors, especially low, like, mid-ish low majors, and I know people don't like those terms now. I guess, you know, mid-major coaches don't like being hub mid-majors or whatever. There's always, like, this weird team that'll enter the conference play with, like, a ridiculously great record. That's just because they played like the fake teams we talked about before, and then <laughs> right. uh, uh, Al- Albany did this a couple years ago when Stony Brook was really good and Vermont was both really good, and Albany was the third team in that conference uh, because Will Brown, yeah. well, not Will Brown, but like the school scheduled, you know, like the worst teams in the country. They had like, I believe, the second to worst uh, strength of schedule out of conference in the whole country. So they obviously entered AAC play with like no losses, and everybody's like. It's not just Stony Brook and Vermont. It's also Albany. I'm like, no, not really. Like, they beat, you know, five random dudes on a basketball court. So, I don't know. The, the, as much as excited as I am for the start of the season, which I am, and there's, there are very good games, and there's all these things we could take from, you know, a couple games and small sample size theater and all that stuff. Conference plays where, like, the men are separated from the boys. Yeah. Yeah, that's for, for sure. And, I just I shit all over be... my sport, I guess. <laughs> Well, no, but that's how it works. Like that, and that's why you've seen, like, people have such different, I guess, thought processes on how they set up their non-conference schedule now because because of the net ranking and how the NCAA tournament and the inconsistency of the NCAA tournament selection committee. Where it's like, you know what? One year we're going to say, oh, we're really looking at mid majors. We're going to give them, and then the next year it's like, ah, we may take two of you. Um, and so I don't know that anyone really knows exactly how they're going to do this. They can throw us this net ranking and, and all this advanced stuff at us, but I don't know that they know what it means half the time. Um, so when it comes down to it, you know, what are the benefits of doing this better scheduling? It doesn't really matter. We looked at last year, there were several kind of mid-major teams that you felt like had better resumes than some of the top power conference teams, and they didn't get in. And so it's the same discussion we have each year, and, and I don't know. It's, it is. So that's why... You look at how a team plays in their conference. Um, are they able to dominate? Like a New Mexico State, for example. Like, they're a team that's probably good enough to win 30-something games again this year, mm-hmm. win the whack, and probably win a couple games in the NCAA tournament. And it's like, you know that going in because we look at their roster and know how loaded they are. They bring back all these guys from a 31 team. Um, but, like, other teams, we, we can't do that on a lot of teams. You know, it's because the rosters change, as we know. They, they fluctuate a lot more at that mid-major level. Uh, because of the transfer situations and all that. So you never know what you're going to get. Um, so th- there's lots of different ways we could go. But I'm telling you, my friend, the Gauchos, UC Santa Barbara, you have to keep an eye on them. Uh, they actually play at UCLA on Sunday. So that's one I would really keep an eye on. I'm very interested Ooh. to watch that game. Uh, hopefully Bill Walton's on the call. Yeah, but our, our guy Mix there now. So uh, we'll see well, what happens there with the Gauchos. All right, this is what everybody's been waiting for. They've slogged through. Us talking about um, all these teams that I did not know existed and uh, all the other stuff that we talk about each episode, the nonsense, 
Uh, but we're going to give you our greatness here because we are bringing it with our final. How about this? Our final four picks and our national championship picks. I will preface this by saying, we know it's I bullshit. Cannot... <laughs> exactly. There you go. You said it better than I could have said. Trust me. It's so fun to do this. I understand why people do it, but folks, without a bracket in front of me, I have no clue. I cannot pick a Final Four. I'm going to, but just know that it is completely based on a bunch of random ideas. And if I guess if you're someone who wanted to do this, you should just go through and pick the top four teams and say those are going to be the Final Four teams. Uh, I'm not going to do that, but uh, I'll let you go first and uh, just hit your, your random machine and see what four teams come out. Shockingly, Vermont didn't make the cup. Um, <laughs> so listen, I'm gonna, I, I have I have two. Well, I guess I have one super cowardly pick, uh, Michigan State. Um, right. I feel like you have to put at least one safe team in there, and I think Michigan State's the safe team. I also have Florida. The Gators mm. going in there, obviously the Kerry Blackshire ad is huge. I think this is a pivotal season for the entire program. I think they have to. You know, not only win a lot, but go deep in March to make it be known that, like, you know, not that they've been a bad program since Billy Donovan left, but that, you know, Mike White is here. This is his program. Stamp of approval. Final Four would do that for them. Um, I don't think that's a. I don't think that's too much of a hot take either. They're a top ten team in the country. Um, here comes where I get a little weird. I have <laughs> Memphis. I love Memphis. Okay. Um, I've watched more and more, like, I know we talked about the freshman earlier. I've watched more and more of them. Uh, I've talked to people that have seen them play live. Um, the James Wiseman stuff. Yes. He was probably overhyped a year ago at this time, but from everything I've been told since he's hit campus, he's the real deal. Um, I think Penny Hardaway has a good staff around him to help make up for his issues that he's still learning on the fly. So I like Memphis a lot. Um, and then because I am a, you know, East Coast elitist. I am picking a Big East team, and I'm going to do the currently Big East <laughs> thing, and I'm going to pick. I'm actually. I'm not. I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick Seton Hall. So okay, See, um, that's not bad. No, no. I feel like I took a couple risks there. Like Seton Hall is not a name you're going to hear thrown out there a lot. I do think you'll hear Florida and Michigan State though. So. Well, uh, I'm going to add those two to mine. <laughs> <laughs> there you okay. go. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take Michigan State and Florida as well. Now, here's what I'm going to do, okay? Because I, I don't know. Again, because we're just having fun with this. I, I was tempted to, to say Alabama as well, by the way. Alabama <laughs> almost replaced Memphis, and I was like, eh, hey, don't do well, that. Listen, I, I will be honest with you. I gave a Final Four to someone else on another podcast, but <gasps> I like to sort of hedge my bets here. So I'm going to give a, a different one on this one. So that way I'm going to hit on something. You're going to have a Final Four. Yes. So... The teams I will keep in my Final Four that I have from the other one, which was actually, I think I'm going to end up keeping three of them. Michigan State, Kentucky, and Florida. I'm, I mean, I'm an SEC homer. You know this. So I'm, I've got to pick two SEC teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's out of the box this year to think it's possible. Michigan State, Kentucky, Florida. Now, I had Louisville in my other one for the other one. But that's just kind of a, you know, you can see it. Yes, they can get there. But let's have fun and pick one outside the box. So here's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to go to Davidson, uh, who brings back all five starters from a team that won 24 games last year. Um, They can shoot it. They've got just some tremendous players. John Axel Goodmanson, uh, he is just tremendous. Uh, You've got, like, Kellen Grady's back. You've got all these different guys um, 
who, I mean, they just, they have the depth, they have the backcourt, they have the shooting ability. There's your wild card. And to be honest with you, I almost went to the A-10 for, for this one. I almost swapped this to A-10 team out for another one. I almost went with VCU. So I would keep an eye. You mentioned earlier talking about, like, the, the Ivy League is sort of a, an interesting conference. People will probably not give enough credit. The A-10 has a bigger profile, but the A-10 is going to be a lot better than people have seen it in recent years. And I think both of those teams, Davidson and VCU, have the opportunity to go like to the Sweet 16 and beyond. Uh, they have that much talent, like they have the depth. So that's my maybe out of the box pick. Although if you look at kind of where they're projected in the preseason, like some people have them in the top 20. Davidson, I, they, they could be a lot of fun to watch, and, and they could get there. I, 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 something we we will like our, our podcast especially because we like mid majors is. The depth and quality of mid-majors is so much better than it was maybe six or seven years ago. Where oh yeah, like like I yes I like the AAC a lot. I understand people make fun of me for it, but they're really they they have three really good programs. Stony Brook's obviously going through another coaching change here, um, but they still project to be really competitive. There's Vermont, and then I I know I kind of made fun of Albany, but Albany's always usually really good. That's like a three. It's actually, and it's deeper than that. But like, it's a strong thing. Before we get going, I have a question for you that uh, I got DM'd to me just recently, and I don't know the answer to it. My gut reaction was to say under, over, under sixteen and a half wins for the Indiana Hoosiers. Ooh, that's a good one. So basically, uh, are they going to win seventeen or more? You know, sixteen or sixteen or less. Like, I, they have to go over that. Do they? They lost their best player, and from a team that was awful. Uh, I think they go, I think they go over that. Their nine conference schedule is pretty easy. You know, WIU, uh, Presbyterian. You know You're right. Before we go, let's pull up their non conference schedule. We're just gonna have some fun here. We're gonna go through every single game and I'm gonna find what what was the number? Sixteen and a half? Yeah, so basically can they get the seventeen wins? All right, let's see. Their first Western Western Illinois, Portland State, North Alabama, Troy, Princeton, Louisiana Tech, South Dakota State. That's their first what is that? Seven. Seven games. I, I think they're seven or no. Right? Okay, but they'll drop one because um, Indiana. So they're six and one. <laughs> Maybe Princeton, right? Let's, yeah. let's say Princeton. Or Louisiana Tech's pretty good. Like, Louisiana Tech could be that could be a sneaky one. Now it's in their F5 um, and two. <laughs> well, like, <laughs> and see, after that, like, their schedule's not easy because. No, then it's a know, bunch of losses. Florida, they've got Florida State. Uh, That's a they're, loss. They're at Wisconsin to open up loss. Big Ten play. They uh, might be able to beat Connecticut. Oh, yeah. They've got Arkansas in there. They've got Arkansas and Notre Dame as two of their other um, non-conference yeah. games. So, but like uh, even the, even like the like the supposed bottom of the Big Ten isn't bad anymore. Like Rutgers is good. That's true. Like Rutgers is not. Yeah. Penn State is um, solid. Like like these like, like Nebraska. You feel like Hoiberg is going to be able to do something. He doesn't have the scheme, roster. Yeah, he'll yet, scheme them but, up to be to be competent. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like they'll be fine. There's no. <laughs> This isn't like Rutgers, no. Mike Rice. This is Rutgers, Steve Peichel. This is, you know, Nebraska. Uh, listen, I'm not going to – Miles was a fine coach, but Hoiberg's going to coach them up. Uh, Penn State's going to be fine, you know, as long as Pat Chambers keeps his hands off people. Uh, All right. I think Indiana goes – I feel – I they'll go over 16 and a half. I say under. Like, I think they'll probably win 10 – I think they'll win 10 conference games. They won – Of the 20, at least. They won 19 games last year, and they lost their best player. If we agree, Romeo oh. Langford was their best player. Well, um, yeah, but I, I 
I will say because of those first seven games, I they're going to be favored in all seven of those games. They're all at home, and like I said, maybe Princeton, Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech's probably the biggest challenge they'll have in those first seven games. Um, you add that, and I think they they're going to find ten more wins elsewhere. So well, I, I feel pretty confident that they're going to go over that. I mean, obviously, we'll know in December because if they leave that, you know, first seven game stretch five and two, they're in a world of hurt. Well, yes. If they, if let's say, yeah, if they. <laughs> For instance, if they go, if they lose back to back games to Princeton and Louisiana Tech, then yes, it's like uh, you have no confidence in that uh, because even the other home games, well, I guess the only other non conference home game they have is well, they've got Florida State and they've got Arkansas, so you could see them. I mean, those are two tough games, probably. But I'm, I'm uh, guessing yeah. I was at like the person that asked me. I won't because they weren't asking for the podcast; they were just asking me out of curiosity. I'm guessing right. they're asking because if they're running, they're wondering if. Indiana is, you know, ready for another change of coaches. You know, I'm assuming that's why the ask yeah, was coming. I assume that's what's the deal. Yeah, because I mean, if look, if they, if they do, let's say they win less than 16 games, then you've really, I mean, you know, uh, the recruiting class for 2020 is not great. It's fine. It's just there's not really like you can't really point to anything right now and say this is why Indiana's on the uptick. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I was someone who always thought that Tom Crean got a really bad rap there, and I think people forgot just how bad shape they were in when he took over. Yeah, I like. I, I think Tom Crean's a good, really good recruiter, which you have to be at Indiana. And then, yeah. you know, listen, that league, listen, I'm not a Big Ten homer. I really don't care to watch Big Ten basketball. But, like, I like Steve Pike a lot. I think he's a really good coach. I think Rutgers yeah, I is really too. good. Um, and, you know, like, I think Juwan Howard is the right hiring at Michigan. Ohio State's going to be Ohio State. Like, Indiana has to – I'm not going to be one of those people that say, like, this blue blood program's in trouble. But he's like, you know, all right. it takes is one right coaching hire and they're back. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. college football taught us that when Notre Dame, when they hired the god-awful human being known as Brian Kelly. But um, – <laughs> It's it, it's Dana Ford. Call Dana Ford. If anybody at a power conference needs a coach, Missouri State, we mentioned them earlier. If they win that conference, call Dana Ford, man. Is, he is, is he, a rising star. Trust is he me. is he your next it coach? Yes, I would say that because, and I didn't even have him on my list that I did for us at Clutch Points. Like I did the list of like seven coaches on the rise, and I didn't because I don't want anyone to just like, this guy <laughs> needs to. I'm telling you, he was at Tennessee State. Like, he orchestrated uh, just a ridiculous turnaround at Tennessee State, which had won, like, I don't know, five games the year before he got there, and then they became, like, one of the better teams in the OVC. Uh, Dana Ford is tremendous. Like, he will be at a power conference job in the next two years, probably. Three years. I mean, if they could win it this year, somebody they could call. We'll see. So there's another prediction for you. Uh, Good. Mine's Jeff Bowles. I'll just throw it out there. Jeff Bowles. There you go. Jeff Bowles. That's your guy. He's my guy. All right. There you go. So that uh, there's our predictions. We went Basketball. all over the place, yes, and we—that's we, <laughs> good though. We, we're trying to appeal to all of our people around the world, and so uh, <laughs> hopefully we did a good job of doing that. Except for the schools that I did not know existed. I apologize. Um, if I would have did that to to Joe, we could be turning things the other way. We may do that next time. Like we're going to look at the next episode. We're going to look at the slate. If there are teams, I'm going to we're going to return that. I'm going to do that to you, and we're going to see. Uh, how you fare on those. Uh, all right, before we hop off, uh, tell everybody where they can find all our stuff, which is uh, pretty much everywhere it needs to be now, I guess. Yeah, you can find myself at Forbes and then as well at clutchpoints.com. Um, and I'm also on the mean streets of Twitter at Joseph Merdone, N-A-R-D-O-N-E. 
Yep, uh, there you go. Our <laughs> podcast, Cutting the Net, is uh, everywhere. It's on uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever it's called now. So you can find it there. Uh, check it out. Uh, subscribe. All that good stuff. Uh, we'll have a lot more great stuff on the way for you guys. So we will talk to you next time here on the Cutting the Net podcast. All around me are familiar websites. Worn out clickbait. Worn out hot takes. Bright and early for the daily link dumps. No one's clicking. No one's clicking. Their page views are filling up their pockets. But not for writers. Not for writers. Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow. No tomorrow. No tomorrow. And I kinda find it funny. I find it kinda sad. The internet in which I'm worthless is the best I ever had. I find it hard to tell you. I find it too hot to take. When people blog in circles, it's a very, very mad internet. Mad internet.